Hi, I'm Veronica. And I'm Natalie. And you're listening to Misfits of Motherhood podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, today we're going to just go into part two of our, I don't know what we'd call like dealing with a narcissist yeah. series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, last week we did like probably maybe the longest episode we've ever done. <laughs> it, yeah. And we still didn't finish what we had intended to get into for part one. Yeah. But I also like coming out of it, it was very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Like even though I'm super nervous at the idea of sort of other people knowing how I feel about that situation. Yeah. It was very, it does make me, it made me feel better though mm-hmm. too at the same time to like discuss it. Yeah. I felt weird for a couple days. That's like when we were messaging and I was like, I feel exposed. <laughs> yeah. It's very like vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, to like talk about something like that. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I think it's overall, it's a good thing. I don't think those things are like good to keep to yourself um because you can't like move on from it if you don't talk about it yeah and it also helps to like process process it all you know Mm -hmm. when you're able to talk about it with someone else and like I mean I would hope that another person dealing with that would maybe find comfort in knowing that Mm -hmm. they're not alone um yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but other than that um today's labor day i feel like it's a really weird labor day yeah um we're having really bad fires still in california i'm starting to see on facebook more people i know are having to evacuate their homes like at first it was just a like a friend i used to work with Mm -hmm. um and now it's like people in auberry yeah uh oakhurst like one of our autism moms that lives in oakhurst is like ready to evacuate if they have to yeah i think tully's dad Mm. my boyfriend's dad lives out there Mm -hmm. and i remember last year him like packing up their truck just in case they have to like leave Mm -hmm. right away and basically it's the same now because he's past oakhurst but it's all in like the same area he would have to go through oakhurst to leave yeah yeah it's just crazy like 2020 is literally like the year that won't quit it's just like it's well and then we yeah and then we get in california every summer it's super common to have fires that's like Mm -hmm. what happens here we have fires and earthquakes like that's what happens so it is i don't know it's very um it's a lot it's typical but i feel like this year with the fires it feels like a little extra maybe oh because of the pandemic I think that, but I think also the fires seem worse this oh, year. Oh, you think so? I think it yeah. seems normal, the it's, normal amount of fires. <laughs> it could just be because everything else. Yeah. And, like, how hot it's been this summer. I think we've yeah. had, like, three heat waves. Mm-hmm. I think one of them was, like, unprecedented. Yeah. The one well, we had in August. Yeah, and then they also said, so yesterday was supposed to be 112, mm-hmm. but then it only ended up being 105. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. And we say only because like 105 when (laughs) you think it's going to be 112 is like a blessing. But then yesterday me and Tully were looking at something and there was a town in California that was 117. Oh my gosh. And if I'm not mistaken, it was like Southern California beach town. Mm. So it was kind of, 
it was there for sure record heat wave day i can't even imagine because like you know we live in an old house our air conditioner is dying and on a 104 degree day it gets to 90 degrees in our house Mm -hmm. so i can't even imagine 117 like i don't even want to think about it it sounds so horrible yeah um my boyfriend's brother used to live in the Middle East. I think it was Qatar. And they get 120, 100 and wow. crazy. But they have, according to them, because obviously I've never been there. But according to them, they've like figured out how to make air conditioners work well in mm-hmm. those heat, mm-hmm. in that heat. Because here in California, I feel like our air conditioners, once it's that temperature, mm-hmm. they start like, they won't even, they'll just blow out hot air yeah. instead of running cold air like yeah. they're technically they're supposed to. So I don't know, I guess they have better air conditioning technology to... Sounds like it. <laughs> ...to battle their heat waves. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah, it's been a rough summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still distance learning. Mm-hmm. Um, distance I'm so learning happy. has been hard. I'm so happy there wasn't any today. Yeah. Got a day off. Like, <laughs> I think a couple hours before I came over here, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do distance learning tomorrow. It's just been really, really hard and it, exhausting. It's, yeah, it is a weird thing to get used to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, this has made me realize I could probably homeschool. You know what I mean? Like, if I, because oh, yeah. when I'm doing stuff with Riley offline, he's fine. It's the getting on and off Zoom three to four times a day that yeah he struggles with. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm hoping it gets better or schools go back because I'm not sure at this rate, like the way it's been the last three weeks, I don't know how much longer I could do this. Yeah. I mean, where we live, the numbers for the positive tests and things are dropping dramatically so that's very nice i didn't know that what um i think our governor said that like even though it's labor day weekend don't go out Mm -hmm. don't because we're coming down so let's just keep it coming down because you know once those numbers come down is when they can start opening back up schools and daycares Mm -hmm. and things that are needed for um you know parents and parents that work and all that stuff um but yeah, so I mean, I really hope that it comes down. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in like what the plan is once those numbers hit a, the spot they're supposed to be. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I'm still pretty scared of my kids getting the virus and myself getting it, and my boyfriend, of course, because mm-hmm. it still seems very scary. Yeah. Have you, do you know anyone that's gotten it? Yeah. I mean, mostly like Facebook, you know, people through Facebook. I don't know that I've known anyone super close to me that's gotten it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know people who have been exposed and have had to have tests done. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, like not any family members or close friends. Yeah, I've had s- several like Facebook friends, Instagram friends that have gotten it and they've like documented their process. Well, the one lady I'm thinking about, um, <clears throat> she lives in Visalia and she's been documenting it on her Instagram mm-hmm. And right now, or yesterday, I believe, she was talking about how she finally got her taste back, I think, or her smell back. And it's been a few months since she had coronavirus. So it's like those lingering effects, since we don't know how they are, it's like 
weird for mm-hmm. someone to eat something that they really like and they can't taste it or yeah. smell it at all. Yeah. God, the idea of that is so also scary mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thought of having it and having to distance learn <laughs> it just sounds like I, yeah, I would just quit. I'd be like, I'm done. I can't imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I feel like there's not a lot to look forward to right now. We're both drinking Starbucks. have the pumpkin <laughs> cream. It's so many words. Pumpkin cream cold brew, I think is mm. what it's called. Oh, I remember I had one of those last year. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. I have the pink drink. I'm still in the summer. That's what, exactly <laughs> what I was thinking when I ordered it. It was like, that's kind of how California is. Like, we don't have super distinct seasons mm-hmm. well central valley fresno so we do like have a distinct winter but it's almost like winter like if our seasons were a play it'd be like okay it's this act it's winter and then there's a short intermission which is like spring and then boom summer for like Ever. six months mm-hmm. and then boom like a little bit of fall and then back to winter yeah. that's how it feels yeah um so it's it's hard to transition out of summer here. Mm-hmm. Like you want to so bad. Like people are probably already putting up Halloween decorations, and honestly, especially this year, they should because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of joy right now. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> whatever makes you chaos, happy. Pure chaos, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I know. I was actually thinking because I'm in sort of the middle of moving. No, I'm for sure in the middle of moving. Yeah. And um, when I get the new house set up, I plan on just like. Halloween. Yeah, whatever. Like, do whatever. Like, even if you wanted to make it this horrible hodgepodge, <laughs> like, uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, like, I feel like people should just do yeah. what they want. If you want to overdose on pumpkin spice, just do mm-hmm. it. I'm excited for it to get cold. Because that's kind of when I really like the whole, not, well, I mean, I love the lattes or the mm-hmm. ice lattes of pumpkin spice but like just in general everything else that comes with like fall I really like to do that when it's colder mm-hmm. but it takes so like even after Halloween it's starting to cool down yeah. after Halloween here so yeah it is hard to really enjoy seasons when you're supposed to enjoy them mm-hmm. and then when like stores have Halloween stuff or like fall decor it's sometimes it just doesn't line up yeah with the weather right <laughs> well like right now well like we're well you know a week into september it's not even really until like the early 90s until the end of september typically mm-hmm. the only reason i know that is because that's riley's birthday and it's very hard to plan riley's birthdays because it's like too cold to swim almost uh-huh but too hot to do anything else yeah. so yeah it takes forever yeah, Cameron's birthday is, uh, like, mid-October, so mm. it's a weird time. Yeah. But anyways, so <laughs> um, we can go ahead and we were, we had a bunch of terms, so back to the narcissist topic, mm-hmm. we had a bunch of terms that we were talking about, I think we made it about halfway through. Yeah. So we're going to finish those up. So I think we had already talked about gaslighting, plausible Mm -hmm. deniability, hoovering, love bombing, and and flying monkeys, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So that we discussed in the first episode. I'm kind of impressed we went in order. 
of our list. I thought it felt like we were hopping around so much, but we actually went in order. That's yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, so another one is called Gray Rock, and um, I'll just write what I wrote. Read what I wrote. <laughs> it's a strategy that can be effective in dealing with narcissists when you can't go no contact. It involves being dull and not giving any kind of emotional response since that is what narcissists feed off of. The goal of Grey Rock is that the narcissist becomes bored and leaves you alone. That is such a good strategy, mm-hmm. I will say. Mm-hmm. It is, it, for me, using that in the past, it works kind of instantly mm-hmm. when it comes to dealing with a narcissist. Yeah. And it's sort of, it's sort of just too weird, I guess, to really like understand and realize that they like when you hear when you hear someone say like oh they feed off your energy or your response emotional response it has no meaning Mm -hmm. until you deal with it Mm -hmm. and you see it firsthand and then it's really like mind-boggling like they that is is what they want that is all that they want is they want you to be upset you to lash out you'd have that emotional response Mm -hmm. depending on what it is and when you don't give them that it's just like they have no use for you anymore They're like emotional vampires. They are. (laughs) And I think part of it is that they, like, they already, we've already talked about the fact that they think that they're better than everybody. Um, So it's not a big leap for them to decide that someone is useless or boring or Mm -hmm. of no, of no value to them. Like, it's easy for them to discard people. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you can you know use that strategy but you have to be consistent like you really have to commit to it and a lot of times that's hard because it's like our human nature to want to react when someone's being a certain way toward us like we Mm -hmm. want to like clap back or whatever term you want to use like say something back because we want to defend ourselves it's human nature to be defensive but they feed off of that and it's almost like you know how camels like drink water and they store it in their bodies and mm-hmm. their humps forever like I feel like narcissists do that too mm-hmm. like they can feed off like if you if they can get you to blow up and lose your your stuff like yeah. they can gorge on that for probably for days oh yeah you know so as hard as it is if you can think about it as a game that you want to win like, you, by not giving them a reaction, you win. That's yeah. how I've always thought of it. And then it's also kind of crappy in the sense of, like, when you do Grey Rock and they maybe come back around or if it's a family member or coworker, so they're in your presence often maybe. It's I also think another thing with human nature is that you want to believe that people get better because mm-hmm. that's my biggest thing when it comes to, like, my relationship with my mom. Um, it was my sort of thing with my relationship with my ex is I always had that hope that they would get better or that I would be enough for them like that whole fixing mentality Uh I really held on to that but like they it's just it doesn't work like you can't get through to them you know like in general with anyone it's like they have to want to fix themselves usually narcissists don't Uh um but yeah like that's another sort of um weird thing to accept like you can't fix this relationship you can't make this relationship good 
it, like it just doesn't work and Mm-mm. it's such a it's it can be sad depending on who it is in your life that is like that but it's just you know yeah. it is crazy well you can't work through conflict with a narcissist the way you would with a I hate the word normal but like a, a normal person yeah if you say something to me that I don't like like what if I told you like you know, Veronica, I don't like it when you respond to me in this specific way. If you're a narcissist, that becomes your, uh, like, that becomes a tool in your tool belt oh, yeah. to make my life miserable. Oh, okay, I could see that. But if you're a normal person and I say that to you, that, in a normal person, that would create awareness. That's an yeah. opportunity for you to be, like, you know, self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And understand like, oh, wow, you know, I'm having an impact on this person that's negative. And if I want a healthy relationship with them, I need to alter that. Yeah. But with a narcissist, it's like you've just loaded their ammunition, Mm -hmm. which it's really sad because if you don't know that, you can step into that, you know, you know, unknowingly. Yeah, especially because of the... Because it's like setting a boundary. Like mm-hmm. if, if I said something to you, you didn't like the way I said it or um, the uh, analogy you just used, I would like, oh, okay, she doesn't like that tone or, oh, yeah, right. I did snap or whatever. Right. But then doing that <clears throat> sort of uh, confronting them on that, yeah, I could see how that's – it creates like mm-hmm. the cycle. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you told me that and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it forever. Mm-hmm. Um. But gray rocking, I kind of had to, I learned it through like my upbringing, but I had to um, kind of relearn it. Like when in the last episode, when I talked about, I dealt with like a narcissist this last year, I kind of felt like I had to relearn what that meant because I didn't know the term. I just knew instinctively this is what you do because, um, I'd seen it before. Like, you can tell when someone wants to fight. Oh, yeah. When they enjoy it, it's almost like they're feasting on, you know, their favorite food. It's it's kind of gross when you think about it. But yeah, um, I felt like I had to relearn it. And you almost just have to be like a robot. Mm-hmm. So if someone says something to you to try to evoke a response, your response needs to have no emotion. Mm-hmm. No apologize, like no apologies, no, um, like seriously, like just a robot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hello, thank you for letting me know, and then move on. Like, yeah, that's something that because of the situation uh, with that person, I was also like involved in mm-hmm. that. And I noticed how that person responded to me in my robotic sort of like, yeah, no emotions, what, what I was saying to them. Because I, I wanted to be, like, honest with the person, like, I don't like, not that I'm I don't like you, but I'm not interested. Yeah. And um, that was a very weird, and she kept trying to mm-hmm. get something, and I was just not giving it to her. Well, she was love, kind of trying to love bomb you, too. Yes, yeah, she was. And she had tried to love bomb me, too, which is so funny, because I could tell she hated my guts, but she bought me a present. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, so here's what a, what a incredible piece of shit you are but also I saw this at the store and I thought of you I just was like she never ended up giving it to me which is fine because I'm sure I would have 
<laughs> I've been through some stuff this past year. I probably would have burned it or something. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, gray rocking. I, I know that sometimes it's not like ideal. It depends on your relationship with the narcissist. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really hard if you worked with a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I also think it'd be very hard if you had to co-parent with a narcissist. Oh, yeah. Um, because you have to be in contact with that person. Mm-hmm. I would almost say if you work with a narcissist, I this is going to sound extreme, I would consider quitting your job, yeah. getting a new job, if it were me. Yeah, like if you, if you could do that with your job, definitely, because mm-hmm. like... That would be so hard. Mm-hmm. Like every day you'd have to like walk into dealing with someone like that whose whole goal is to like mess make with you, you look bad, mess with you, ruin your day. Like mm-hmm. that is what they want. Like that is, that would be Especially very hard. Especially if they're your boss, like if they're your superior. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, it would just be so bad. I'm glad I haven't really had to deal with that. Yeah. Um, definitely worked in like toxic work environments, but nothing like yeah explicitly like working with a narcissist, but... But yeah, and then co-parenting would be very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pr- pretty, I mean, I guess it's kind of weird to say that I'm grateful that I don't have to co-parent with my ex, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I am just because it would be that impossible. would be the, I'd, that would kind of be like hell on earth mm-hmm. for me to, like, have to deal with someone like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, so the next term is no contact, which is, completely cutting all ties with the narcissist Mm -hmm. it's pretty self-explanatory but it is all encompassing yeah like if they text you to try to continue something you wouldn't respond you wouldn't answer their phone calls no emails nothing like you're just done no messages through people so like if your narcissist is your sister and your brother tries to relay a message, don't relay anything back. I mean, yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Just, like, literally no contact. And then low contact is having very limited contact with the narcissist. And that is, um, you can't completely cut them off like a co-worker or co-parenting with an ex. Yeah, or in, in other cases where you've <coughs> made the decision not to cut off contact, which is something that you've talked about. Yeah. And that's a, I, I feel like that's a very personal decision. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's, like, journey with that is different. I would never judge anyone who has a narcissist a narcissist in their life for not cutting them out. Because mm-hmm. I know it comes at a cost. Yeah. Either way, you, you pay something. Yeah. It's hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, another one is narcissistic supply, and this really has to do with, um, like, what we've already talked about with the narcissist feeds off of your emotions, but what I wrote um, is that narcissists are empty people without identity or self-esteem, self-esteem, so they need constant emotional fuel from others, whether it is positive or negative. They need constant and overwhelming validation and praise, but they also enjoy the emotional supply they get by devaluing and manipulating others. Um, So yeah, this is basically like that emotional feast they have Mm -hmm. when they're either causing you pain, 
frustration um, or when they're getting like that admiration and validation from you. But yeah, that's basically, they are in constant search of narcissistic supply. Um, and then, oh, did you want to read that last bit or no? Oh, I was going to leave that out. Okay. Yeah. And then another thing that they do is projection, which is pro uh, projection is attributing one's own feelings, actions, or traits onto someone else. Um, narcissists use projection to blame the victim and deny accountability. This is something I definitely dealt with with my ex. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it was just like, you know, <clears throat> there's something very common when it comes to people that cheat on you and that is they're cheating on you so then you must be cheating on them yeah. and that is projecting the, what they're doing their behaviors onto you mm -hmm. to make you feel like shit and then also like oh i'm not doing enough for this person or whatever yeah. so i mean liars do the same thing i know liars that love to say oh, you better never lie to me because of this, this, and that reason. Mm -hmm. But then they are constantly lying to you, making things up. Mm -hmm. And that's what projection is, is what they're doing, they're projecting it onto you. Yeah, yeah. Tully had this co-worker guy. Not really a co-worker because he's a, um, like an independent contractor, but a guy that he worked with. And this guy was constantly like, oh, you're trying to take my job from me. You're trying to do this. And Tully mm -hmm. was like, no, I would, like, I'm not doing that. Turns out that guy was talking a lot of crap about Tully and basically mm. trying to get him removed as an independent contractor to take his spot. Yeah. And they, I swear, narcissists and just crappy people in general love to project their real selves onto mm -hmm. you. And that is such a red flag to watch out for. Yeah. Like just in any person, I don't, I mean, not even just narcissists. I think a lot of just crappy people do that in general, just that projection. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't see it as a term anywhere, but I also feel like narcissists are really good at justifying their behavior by, like, fabricating qualities in other people. Mm. So, like, so the narcissist I dealt with this last year, something had happened that I was not on any part, like, my fault. It was just something... I wish I could just say it because it's so stupid, but it's something you would do unknowingly and then like it, it's completely innocent, but it causes someone to feel a certain way that's negative. They were upset with about that and they were super injured by that. And they created this whole false narrative about who I am as a person to justify treating me like garbage because mm -hmm. they were wounded by this thing that I actually didn't do to them. Yeah. So I feel like not only do they project, but I feel like they're also really good at like creating something to project. Like, Oh yeah. Like you're this and you're this and you're this because I want to hate you and treat oh. you like garbage. And in order for me to do that, you have to be a really bad person. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's like they're so complicated. It is. And it is so weird because it is a very complicated thing to understand mm -hmm. if you're not in it. Because sometimes, like before, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last one, but there was a time when some, like, the person did something to me that like drove me crazy. 
another person who knows that person and knows their behavior was like, well, you just sound petty. And that was like another thing that like mm. I was, but cause I knew that they were doing something to upset me, mm-hmm. but then to other people, it just seems like a me being like nagging about them or right. something. And they're so good at that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Another one was a smear campaign. Um, this is when a narcissist makes a direct attempt to negatively alter a person's reputation by gossiping, lying, or sharing personal information. The victim of the smear campaign is usually someone who has identified the true nature of the narcissist, someone the narcissist is jealous of, or someone who has rejected the narcissist in some way. So a smear campaign is like, um, it's retaliatory. It's something they do after... um, You've injured them in some way, whether it was on purpose or not. Mm-hmm. But I think this also happens. There's something really weird that happens when um, when you realize someone is a narcissist and they realize you've made that realization. Mm-hmm. They don't do all of these things anymore. There's no more love bombing. There's no more um, of like the manipulative deceitful stuff it's Mm -hmm. like now it's like uh uh-oh you've discovered who I really am like my mask has dropped and now I'm just gonna make everyone think that you're a horrible person yeah um so I'm I found this like it's like a meme type thing it's called the narcissist abuse cycle so they start off with the love bombing the flattery praise approval all that stuff and then when you set the boundary you call them out Maybe they meet someone else to supply their thing. Mm -hmm. They go into the devaluation, which is where they criticize, where they're cruel, where they talk about you, do the smear campaign. All of that goes with that Mm -hmm. um, to make you seem like the bad person because they can't handle that you've, uh, I guess... See, like, seeing them for who they are, mm-hmm. or like rejecting Rejected them. them. Rejection or, or, is huge. And then also like setting the boundary. Setting mm-hmm. a boundary with them is so hard for mm-hmm. them to deal with. They hate boundaries. And that is something that a person who is who does who doesn't have like the narcissistic traits, like that's something that they wouldn't have an issue with. But narcissists mm-hmm. have such an issue with boundaries mm-hmm. to the point where. If you set up a boundary and say you have to be low contact with them, they won't even really talk to you. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll, they might do the whole, oh, I'm sorry, I want to start over. Silent treatment. Yeah, silent treatment. But then you're like, okay, we can start over or move on, try a relationship where it doesn't involve this stuff, but then they want nothing to do with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. They hate boundaries, and I think mm-hmm. that comes from the entitlement. Mm-hmm. They, they feel very entitled to who you are, to your life, to what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And if you do anything that limits their access or limits your their access to you, mm-hmm. they become very angry. Yeah. Um so then they'll do that like you said like the um the smear campaign, the silent treatment, which I I think it's interesting. This is my personal opinion. I think the silent treatment can be very abusive. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't had it done to me, but if you sit and think about what the silent treatment is and what, like, what that 
would look like like it is it can be very like emotionally abusive yeah I think so because that's something that I dealt with as a kid um in the sense of instead of my parents telling me what was wrong or what I did wrong or what they deemed as wrong it was just silence so Mm -hmm. then I was always on edge which Mm -hmm. is why my anxiety is so bad as an adult is because you're always trying to think of like what did I do wrong what did what is why are they not talking to me about something Mm -hmm. and and you know they're angry because their their mannerisms are like you know you can just feel that Mm -hmm. so yeah that's something that is really annoying another thing that they do is the triangulation yeah which is instead of coming directly to you to talk about a problem which i think is really good in communication i know communication is hard and if you're not good at communication definitely doesn't mean you're a narcissist but a terrible thing to do is to go to somebody else and instead of telling the person you have a problem with them you tell this other person like oh this person slighted me and instead of trying to maybe like process it and like vent and try to figure it out it's like they slighted me they disrespected me they did all these things so then now that person has a biased opinion of the third person you know Mm -hmm. and it creates like the triangulation so then the second person has this idea and maybe they try to fix it or try to be the peacemaker Mm -hmm. but they have the wrong information yeah and that's also something that I've experienced. Yeah. And it's that's also really hard because it's hard to get someone who now has bad information about you mm-hmm. to understand mm-hmm. what, like, your side of it, your right. perspective of it because now they are biased already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've definitely had that. Well, not exactly that, but I've definitely dealt with, like, a bit of a smear campaign with the person that I was dealing with this last year. And it would be with people, um, some people that I know and some people I've never met before. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, like you can tell when people start acting differently towards you. Oh yeah. And I guess what I would say, I mean, it's, it's sad because some people see through it. Like this narcissist I was dealing with, I had several people come to me and be like, you know, I'm picking up on something from this person in regards to you and I just want you to know like I don't like I see through it like I know that you're a good person and I didn't ask for any of this information it was just brought to me but and that's great it's great to have gosh there's a lot like there's a lot to it like when when someone is doing a smear campaign against you the most natural thing is for you to defend yourself, but it's actually not helpful to your situation because yeah. it just makes you look defensive. Yeah. So the best thing you can do, which is really hard, is to be quiet and let people eventually see the truth. Yeah. Because narcissists can't keep their masks up forever. Mm-mm. They slip and people see through them. Yeah. And you know, you kind of have to wait it out. And so that's what I did. I really kept, you know, only told certain people in my life about what I was dealing with. And then I started having people come to me and be like, I totally see what they're trying to do. Like I see, I see their real character. And then I would be honest, like they've been doing this to me for a long time now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, 
I guess what I would say to people, if you have someone coming to you who's constantly like saying horrible things about someone you've never met, like don't just assume because they're your friend that that's the true story about this person. Because mm-hmm. I have been that person and um, it's hard. It's hard knowing that someone's going around saying horrible things and untrue things about you and you have no defense other than being quiet and being who you are. So like, and and that I would hope that there would be some kind of self, like some kind of reflection there. Like, wow, this person has this horrible opinion about this person that I've never met, but maybe I know them online. I'm not seeing that online like, what's really going on here? Is this just personal? Yeah. Like, like take the time. I guess my request would be, like, take the time to actually think about the situation as a whole instead of just believing your friend. Like, I understand loyalty and friendship, and that's really important. But, like, your friend might be a jerk, and you may just not know it yeah. yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then also, just, like, in general, there's can be a lot of outside of a narcissist, you know, thinking that your friend is a narcissist or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't want to accept that or maybe you just don't see it. Yeah. But then also, like, people are... There can be miscommunications or somebody takes someone's tone wrong so then they instantly yeah. don't like them or whatever it may be, you mm-hmm. know? But yeah, I agree. I think it's really hard when someone talks crap about you to people that you can't... Not only can you not defend yourself against, but then you don't know them. Mm-hmm. So then you... Like you'd look crazy yeah there's nothing yeah. you can do because... you would look crazy like hey person i've never actually met in person but maybe we're facebook friends yeah. and, and you don't even have proof that you're being talked about you yeah. know it internally yeah. but you yeah. don't have any proof so yeah. you would just look like a psycho <laughs> yeah so it puts the person in a very like if you're the target of the of the narcissist it puts you you're basically a fly in a spider web. Yeah, you and, know? It, and it, it does suck when you can't do anything and then defending yourself could potentially make you look crazy or make you look dramatic because mm-hmm. that's, what they, that's, a, that's a part of it too. They want you to be the one that looks crazy and dramatic because yeah. then it's like, so then they're the victim of you. They, mm-hmm. they really, I think they want that too. A part of it is like, oh, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, they would love that. Yeah. Sure. And then it's also, so the last part of the abuse cycle after the smear campaign and stuff is either they suck you back in to start the cycle again, or mm-hmm. you have made the decision to go no contact, potentially low contact if, you know, you can, or if you have to, mm-hmm. um, and then just like do the gray rocking. But they yeah. love to suck you back in because then that's when the love bombing starts again. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like an abusive relationship cycle. Mm-hmm. It's like after it's done, they start with the the ge- the grand gestures and mm-hmm. the the whole thing again because that's yeah. that's how they operate. Yeah. Um, and then the last term we have here, just and then also like there are lots of terms. These are just the ones that we kind of chose to highlight. But what the last one is narcissistic injury. So this occurs when a narcissist feels criticized, judged, held to boundaries, held accountable, or when the narcissist has not been given the attention, validation, or special treatment that they feel entitled to. Narcissistic injury causes the narcissist to become dysregulated, and they respond by being aggressive and vindictive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it kind of depends on the narcissist what that would look like as far as the aggression and the vindictiveness. But, um, yeah, and, and it's it's hard because, like, these things that it mentions, you know, being rejected. Rejection can be a matter of perception. Like, mm-hmm. you could perceive that you're being rejected, but the person's not actually rejecting you. Mm-hmm. But also people have the right to reject you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then also, like, in in regular friendships, you know, sometimes you're with that person all the time, but then life happens, so then you're not super with that person all the time. But then you can come back. Like, that's also, like, a sort of, like, friendship cycle, a normal friendship cycle is to, like, get busy with life, mm-hmm. not be able to spend all the time, not get coffee, ev- like, every Friday like you used to or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then, you know, you come back to it. But then I would think that a narcissist would if you put your life and what say you're moving like I am right now, mm-hmm. a narcissist might think that you're trying to reject them or interpret right. it that way because right. their ego is so fragile. Yeah. Like it is so, so fragile. Yeah. They need that. Yeah. So even that could potentially make them mad at you mm-hmm. and it's not something that you're, you're not trying to reject them or whatever, but they, yeah. it's so big to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, their reaction kind of depends on who they are. Like they might dis like disregard you or what's that word? Like when you like dispose. Dispose. They discard. might dispose of you, discard, discard. find a new find yeah. a new person. Yeah. But yeah. Um and I think the other thing we were wanting to talk about is like getting out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship yeah yeah and then that's that can be hard obviously mm-hmm. um but uh oh man my mind just went blank on what i was gonna say about that hold on <laughs> sorry it's okay. probably my fault <laughs> i honestly like i feel like if you're in this position so let's say you've identified that you're dealing with a narcissist whether they know you've identified that or not you come to a point where it's like a fork in the road where you have to decide what your response is going to be. Low contact, no contact, or maybe you're not intending to change the relationship at all. Like maybe Mm -hmm. you're just going to try, you're going to try to work it out. You're going to try to, you know, just do things as usual. Or maybe you're not convinced that that's what you're dealing with maybe you still kind of think it's your fault Mm -hmm. that's a very personal decision yeah you have to think about you have to be ready to do that is my personal opinion Mm -hmm. um and it's hard it's really hard it's especially depending on what type of person you are you know like I'm a people pleaser I don't like conflict I don't like to rock the boat So that's a hard choice to make even when the person is treating you really badly. It's hard to – no contact. I mean, you can always change it. You can always modify that. But I personally have found that's the only way to, like, be free Mm -hmm. of the narcissist. But like I said, like, you have to make the decision that is best for you. Yeah, um, I found this 
thing on it's called grace power strength on instagram and it says that a relationship with a narcissist is based on you performing for them how much can you do how good do you make them look how high can you jump mm -hmm. and it's uh, you know it's a twisted game of it um and then if you comply they give you some breadcrumbs of attention and their fake love so mm. that's what you that's kind that's the relationship with them and i agree with natalie when she says that it's better to no contact uh to go no contact as hard as it is because as somebody who is in low contact it is it is hard to continue to talk to, to you know to talk to people mm -hmm. that are narcissists and have them in your life and just sort of witness the the fake love the them doing and saying things to make them look better at your expense like mm. it is a really hard thing mm -hmm. to just kind of like you know not want to rock the boat not want to cause drama not want to get family involved again in you know in that um no contact because mm -hmm. I, I i told you before how i'd gone no contact with this person when at one point they were like pretty they were doing very dangerous things to affect my life and it really stressed me out because I was dealing with something pretty bad at the time with someone else who I believe is a narcissist. And um, it's just, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. hard to give, to give that person any amount of access knowing how they literally do not give a shit if I am safe or my children are safe. Mm -hmm. But then also cutting off contact causes the same problem mm -hmm. of them being upset so then they will go and do something to make you, you know to do something bad to me yeah you know and it's really <laughs> really hard to know what to do in that situation mm -hmm. yeah it it can be really scary and really threatening at different levels you know yeah. um because narcissists are really good at figuring out what would be the worst case scenario for you, mm -hmm. whether you've said it or not. They're good at figuring things out like that. They're also not, they're not afraid to do those things. No. And they justify it. Like yeah. I said earlier, like, um, you know, I, I had uh, joined this group on Facebook of, you know, women who are daughters of narcissistic mothers because I needed to, you know, I needed to, like, read things and I needed to see other people's stories. I needed to try to understand it from, like, real people. And that's very common, this, um, like, threat to call CPS, mm -hmm. you know, so these women who have a narcissistic mom, the mom will threaten to call CPS on them if they don't do what they want, if they cut them out of their lives, or they will actually do it. Yeah. It's incredibly common. And CPS in, Amer or in California oh, is yeah. Child Protective Services. Right. So these are people that will come to your house because someone said that you don't have food or you're abusing your child or mm -hmm. something like that. They come to your house to make sure that your child is safe and okay right. in your um, yeah. possession or in your house. And they have the power to take your child out of your house yeah. and place them in foster care, even if it's just emergency foster care. 
Or even with um, another family member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or another family member. And that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. It's a huge threat to have someone, you know, remove your child and put them possibly with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Also incredibly traumatic. It's a, it's absolutely necessary. CPS has to exist because there are actually children being abused. Mm-hmm. But if you're if the child is not being abused, to remove them from their home is very traumatic and it actually it opens up an opportunity for abuse sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um what was my point in saying that? I guess my point was that um they they will do potentially like super dangerous. I consider that dangerous yeah. if the child's not being abused. Yeah, it is very dangerous. Yeah. And they don't care. They justify yeah. it. They'd say, "Oh, well the last time I was at your house, you only had like cereal and milk." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Knowing full well you just hadn't made your weekly grocery <laughs> yeah. um, trip yet. Yeah. Um, another thing that I had found was from a doctor and Dr. Annie PhD on Instagram. And her thing was saying that if you struggle to stay no contact with the narcissist, uh, one of the reasonings could be because you still believe that the narcissist is the only person who, who can give you the validation you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you settle for the crumbs of the short-term comfort at the inevitable cost of hurt and rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is something that is, like, that's true. They... It's I, better than nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's true. People believe that it's better than nothing. That is something that I struggled with in my relationship with my ex was because a part, like, a part of a narcissist, too, is the whole, like, break you down to build you up in mm-hmm. a way, but you they build you up to, like, need their validation mm-hmm. and need them because mm-hmm. when you're suffering from that low self-esteem that they have caused, inevitably, they're the only ones that can essentially make it right i guess like you're you know like they tell you you're worthless and useless but then when they tell you oh you did great here you're Uh like yes they finally see that i'm great you know it's like it's weird but that's powerful yeah exactly i uh, oh sorry i was gonna say and then you just need like you feel like you need that like they are the ones i had not really wanted to talk anymore about my mom in this episode (laughs) because i talked about that last time but that just brought up something. Um, my mom, when I had Riley, she made me feel like a very bad mom. Oh. Not just like not a good mom, but a bad mom. Oh, no. She, you know, kind of made it seem like I was a an unfit mother. And I remember that was, I, I didn't know how painful that was until a lady from church who was actually the same lady that first told me I was grieving when um, Riley was getting diagnosed. She looked at me, and she didn't know any of this stuff, and she's like, you're a really good mom, Natalie. And it wrecked me. And it made me realize how badly I needed to hear that from a woman, like my mom's age. She's like, my mom's age, she has kids. Um, it's because my mom had, like, the woman who brought me into this world made me feel like such a bad mom Mm -hmm. that I needed to hear someone who could fill that role potentially because of her experience in life and the age difference. I needed to hear a mother-type figure 
cancel that out. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So in all of that, it makes sense how kids deal with criticism from their parents as a child and they grow up needing so badly for someone to say they're okay. Yeah. Or to say they're good. Yeah. Because it does, and it, it's... If you if you're dealing with a narcissist, it's not going to be the narcissist who ultimately like brings you away from that because they're never going to give you that affirmation yeah, the that they should have yeah need. that they should have given you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but it's very powerful. Like you can go your whole life feeling inadequate because of someone like that. And then it's also, you know, with that, it's also hard because when you bring that up to a narcissist, like, you don't give me validation Mm -hmm. or you don't, you tell me you're proud of me or, like, things that they aren't doing for you, there's a term called toxic amnesia where Mm -hmm. they don't remember, they pretend not to remember the hurtful behaviors, verbal abuse, Mm -hmm. and the betrayals they've engaged in. Yeah. Um, It's a part, it's... Okay, so according to this thing, uh, it's a part of their gaslighting campaign and designed to make you feel like you're overreacting Mm -hmm. or mentally unstable by creating that doubt in your mind. You're so sensitive. Yeah. You don't let go of the past. Narcissists love to, like, accuse you of not letting go of the past. Mm -hmm. But it's because they don't want to, like, rectify anything (laughs) that they've ever done. Or be held accountable for it. Narcissist and changing. Um, so they, a narcissist will not change for you. Mm-hmm. Like the person that's their victim. Yeah. Um, they don't change for anyone really. It yeah. has to be obviously themselves, their own decision. They feel no need to change for you or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, they change their masks in accordance with the best interest at the time. And if you set up boundaries and maybe you think that the narcissistic person is like trying to, you know, respect those boundaries, they actually learn to sort of dis- to go around them more discreetly. Mm-hmm. So instead of like upfront s- saying something that they know is hurtful, they'll like wiggle around it to like mm-hmm. eventually bring it up, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there's another thing that says or that I wanted to read. Um, oh, they have no genuine remorse because they feel entitled to behave as they do. Mm-hmm. And that's like a really big thing with it, which mm-hmm. is really strange to me. That's how entitled yeah. they are. It's interesting. They feel, I learned this just because of my experience, they feel entitled to... I think I already said this, but who you are, what you are, and your life. Mm -hmm. So you'll see, like, mothers who feel entitled to be in the labor and delivery room when when their daughter gives birth. Mm -hmm. Or you'll see mothers who feel entitled to um, their grandchildren. That's a big one, too. Like, they feel entitled to be however they want with their grandchildren whether the parents of the child are okay with it or not yeah that's actually something that 
I learned in a, 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 a mom group that I was in of daughters of a narcissist, narcissistic mothers um, is that there's some states that have grandparents' laws. Yeah. So if you are not documenting the harassments or abuse from them, your narcissistic parent mm-hmm. could get Visitation. visitations with your child, which, I mean, if you're... If, their grandparent is a narcissist like you don't want that Mm-mm. because they are going to you I mean you don't know what how they're going to treat your child or what they're going to do in that sense and it's so important that once you recognize it that you start documenting because mm-hmm. if you think your parent might do that and if you live in a, a state that has that you know has that you should definitely document as much as you can and tr- like you have to do your part to make sure they, mm-hmm. in my opinion, they don't get the visitation. Yeah. I don't think that narcissistic grandparents are good. I know people want to, like, grandparents are amazing, can be when yeah. they're healthy grandparents, yeah. but when they're not healthy and they're, you know, they have those behaviors, it's not good for your, it will never be good for your child no. to be in contact with them. No, they're going to do the same thing. Yeah. They're gonna gonna create a lot of confusion, and they're gonna create just like you're. They're gonna. It's gonna create that like. What is it like? Their relationship with their grandchild is gonna be in spite of you. It's not mm-hmm. because they love that child and they want what's best for them. It is completely to spite you, to hurt mm-hmm. your feelings. It's against you. Is yeah. they don't genuinely love their grandchild. No, no. And the grandchild is another way to get that narcissistic supply. Yeah, grandchildren are huge fans of their grandparents. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's another way to get that validation, that adoration, that you know, um, that they need constantly. Like, oh, my grandma's the best grandma. My grandpa's the best. You know, he gives the best you know pony rides or whatever like that attention that they need so badly they just move on to the next generation yeah and then in that too is also the cycle of the narcissistic abuse your child is not safe from their narcissistic abuse at all they don't i think they don't change and like go out like they don't like not be who they are be narcissistic yeah (laughs) with the next that's the only way they know how to be but i think another thing though too is that like some narcissists they meet someone and they instantly start it other other people they meet they'll slowly start Mm -hmm. the process of the narcissistic abuse and the same goes for the child you know you might think like oh well they're doing good and it's been a year since my child was born Mm -hmm. and the grandparents is great but that does not mean that your narcissistic parent is not going to start treating them terribly making them feel uneasy the silent treatment all that crappy behavior that you just because it's it's gonna mess up your kid Mm -hmm. like I mean that's just how like I look at my life and I see how I am and the things that like give me anxiety and it's like it's because of my mom Mm -hmm. and her how she treated me as a child Mm -hmm. and all these things I had to deal with my overthinking like the other day when we talked um I think it was after the episode. I'm not sure if it was in the episode, but we talked about overthinking and how it served a purpose. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't shut my brain off, yeah. and I'm constantly exhausted trying to think of things. Mm-hmm. Every situation, it's hard, and I probably wouldn't be doing that if I didn't have to constantly overthink as a mm-hmm. kid, as a survival. Scale. Yeah, as yeah. a survival tactic. Yeah. The other thing too is that narcissists are on their own timetable. 
So, mm-hmm. like, when you're talking about it, it could take years. If you're friends with a narcissist, it could take you years to really see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people never see it. Yeah. Because they, it really depends on what role you play. If you're close to them, you're going to see it at some point, but it's it could still take a few years. Mm-hmm. Same thing in a romantic relationship. It could take a while. Yeah. So. I think, like, in my, my relationship with my ex, we were together a year before he started being physically abusive, plus the narcissistic abuse came a little after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't really understand what it's like when you're with someone for a year and it's good it's fun mm-hmm. you're having this relationship and out of nowhere you get you know in my in my case it was you know physical abuse and then you so you try to wrap your head around it like oh well maybe it's because he's working too hard or yeah. you know you start getting the doing the excuses and I know for some people who've never experienced that it's kind of like well why would you think that they should just hit you if they're stressed but it's like when your relationship is great for a whole year, mm-hmm. like it's really, really hard to wrap your head around what happened mm-hmm. and what's going to happen mm-hmm. because you, you know, it's it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with narcissistic abuse. If you are, you know, friends with that person and everything's great and the love bombing is great and all these things are good and you're not really setting boundaries because they're not really overstepping any boundaries mm-hmm. that you think are, like, super, um, like, hard passes or yeah. hard no's. Yeah. It, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden they overstep something and you're like, wait, you know, you can't do that. Don't mm-hmm. discipline my kid. Don't mm-hmm. say that to my husband. Whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um, that's when you're going to start seeing it, but then you might not recognize what's happening because, mm-hmm. again, it, it's new. You guys were friends for years and everything was fine. Yeah. And it's it's really hard to kind of grasp that, but it's it's the cycle of it that people need to pay attention to, mm-hmm. I would think as well. Yeah, and I think in a friendship versus a romantic relationship, romantic relationships are accelerated. You're spending mm-hmm. more time together. Yeah. You're talking on the phone for hours. You're being all like mushy with each other. Yeah. Also, you cannot underestimate the role that sex plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like just biological. It's chemical. You know, yeah. our bodies create certain um, hormonal responses when when we have sex. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, I think it's called vasopressin. I know I learned this in college. Like your brain releases, I think it's your brain. Anyways, it's hormonal. Yeah. And it creates an attachment to the person. Mm -hmm. And I've also read that narcissists will use sex to um, manipulate the person that they're with. I can definitely see how that is used. And it's kind of easy to continue to manipulate someone with sex. Mm -hmm. And then also to turn, they can easily turn the sex into abuse as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. and it's a very difficult thing to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's super important to, like, take into consideration. When I was in, like, when I was doing my master's uh, program, I had a professor that actually would say, do not have sex with someone until you have gone on 17 dates with them. Oh, wow. Because by that time, I don't know where the number came from, but by that time you have gotten to know them enough um, that you're not going to have your blinders on. Mm. If you've had sex, like let's say you have sex with them within the first few dates 
or a handful of dates, you are now hormonally and chemically bonded to that person. Mm. I wish I remembered all the terms, but I did, you know, I did know these at some point. But mm-hmm. like, if you keep your hormones out of it for enough time, you might see those warning signs. That's true. I can you know? see that because in a new relationship, when you're having fun and you have the like, I think it's called like rose-colored goggles, glasses, I, glasses. Yeah. <laughs> goggles. I like I like the image of goggles though. I could see how sex would totally mess up that. Oh yeah, because um, it's all those hormones. Yeah. It's all the hormones get involved. Oh yeah, and you know people feel. I mean, depending on who you are and what your background is, like maybe sex is a way that you've felt love before. And so maybe that is a pattern for you where you feel loved when you have a sexual relationship with somebody. Yeah. There's a lot to that. And I I think that's a really interesting, like, subtopic. Yeah. But, um, But, yeah, for sure... And I also feel like if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, I would, if it's romantic, I would imagine like you're experiencing a lot of guilt. You're not feeling great about yourself. Mm -hmm. You might be feeling like, what's wrong with me? Why am I bonded to this person? But like, give yourself a break because there's a lot involved. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not really your fault. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. All those different ways that they're already manipulating you. Plus, if you throw sex into that, or maybe you have kids with this person, mm-hmm. um, that's hard. Yeah. And then it's also interesting, too, as a daughter of a narcissist, hopefully this doesn't take us on too much of a tangent, but, like, I was always worried about, like, what if I'm a narcissist or I'm yes. becoming a narcissist? Oh, my gosh. I've been dealing with that so bad, like, this last now that we've like because this we wanted to record this june early july yeah but we also wanted to research it even though we already really know about it we wanted to research it so we were giving accurate information yeah because it is very confusing and it can be hard to like it it is a very big topic especially Mm -hmm. when you're just reading about it if you've never experienced it and you're just reading about it it can be very confusing oh yeah there's a lot yeah and so um when I finally like got all the information like typed out and what we wanted to say (laughs) and then I feel like it got in my head and I'm like am I a narcissist but it's common apparently yeah for if you've been like the target of a narcissist for you to sit there and question whether or not you're one also yeah and then especially to be raised by one I think it's Mm -hmm. even more it's even harder because I think about like I think about how, like, when I was a kid, not super young, but maybe, like, middle school, high school, now that I can look back on and see see things differently, I see how my mom's traits kind, like, I absorbed them, obviously, as her child. And I think about how, like, in high school, I was, I was a shitty person. Mm. And um, it's kind of interesting how I look back on a, a very specific situation that like just screams narcissist but when you watch your mom create a lot of drama in her friendships it's hard to understand that that's wrong as a kid Mm. when you're not when you don't know about these things and I remember in a specific situation I somebody had said something to me about another friend 
And when I think back now, I shouldn't have said anything. It was silly high school girl drama. But then I told my friend, I was like, oh, that girl thinks that you're trying to steal her boyfriend. So then my friend went to confront her, which I mean, I get it. When you're told that information, you want to defend yourself, whatever. But I shouldn't have said anything. And then they got into an actual fist fight. And like after that happened, I was like, what the fuck did I do? Mm. And that was terrible. And to this day, it's something that eats away at me. Like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have fucking said that because that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I, in that situation, I really feel like I was doing the triangulation mm. thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I have empathy afterwards and would never do that again. But I can see how it could have started, right? Mm-hmm. I would have just have been like, oh, well, that's on them. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. That's being a narcissist. Yeah. And, um... I really think that being raised by one sort of made me feel like, uh, not that I shouldn't have friends, but I was, not only am I worried about other people being crappy to me, I'm worried about being crappy to other people. Mm. So, like, I don't have a lot of friendships Mm -hmm. as an adult. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only do I live in a new place and my children are on the spectrums, which makes it hard to find friends yeah and do things with but then when you're also worried about other people and yourself Mm. it kind of creates this weird situation where you like isolate yourself yeah because you don't want to be a narcissist and then you also don't want to come into contact with narcissists Mm -hmm. it's a real weird thing yeah (laughs) to deal with i mean that makes sense um i also think that all of us have narcissistic tendencies oh yeah but when you're raised by a narcissist, you're raised to believe that there's something um, inherently wrong with you mm-hmm. and that there's something like maybe that you're crazy. Something my mom used to always say to me is normal girls don't, et cetera, et cetera. Normal girls don't, you know, oh gosh, when I had Riley, normal women want their mom in the delivery room when they have their baby. Oh. Or normal women want, you know, the grandmother of their child to be in the waiting room, at least, if they're not in the delivery room. Normal, normal, normal. And that was what I was told my entire life. Oh. So I've always felt very out of place. Mm-hmm. I've always felt um, like I don't fit in. I've always felt like people are one step away from realizing that I'm just this very broken, internally disheveled, like a mess of a human. Yeah. And then you grow up and you're like, well, everybody's broken. Everybody's yeah. a mess, you know? Yeah. But when you're raised by someone like that, because they want to isolate you, they want to create this dependency, you are isolated from reality, mm-hmm. you know? So you think you're crazy, you think you're a bad person, you think you're selfish, you think you're ungrateful. Ungrateful is a big one mm-hmm. with narcissists. So it's like, oh man, it's a lot. Like I, I wish that you could almost like inter- eternal sunshine of the spotless mind those parts of your brain that got yeah. messed up or like men in black those parts of your mind yeah i agree because i mean therapy to go through therapy to kind of fix it it's a very long process yeah. like these aren't things that just change overnight like you have to change your way of thinking which is hard because yeah reprogram yeah. your brain because it's already programmed a certain way mm-hmm. and 
It is hard. Yeah, you're almost made to be the own en- your own enemy in your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're the one, you know, when you're talking about overthinking, like overthinking is like a, it's a way of trying to control the outcome. Mm-hmm. But you learned how to do that, so now your brain just automatically does that, but you're the one doing it. So, yeah. like, you're causing your own, <laughs> Yeah, you're building your own prison around, yeah. you know, around yourself. Yeah. So, I think I, I think I would like, I I have a hard time saying things out loud because I know once I say it out loud, I feel like I've, I've made a commitment. I would like to go to therapy for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to, <laughs> but I would <laughs> like to. I really would because I feel like I'm tired of dealing with that stuff. Mm-hmm. The overthinking, the feeling like I'm, you know, this incredibly, like, like not just that I have flaws, but I was raised to believe that there's something extraordinarily wrong with who I am. Mm. And I would like to not feel like that anymore. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not fun. But we actually didn't get to a lot of stuff <laughs> that we were going to talk <laughs> about today. So I guess we're going to be doing a part three. Yes, cool. Yeah. Do a part three. But I, I really find the whole, like all of this stuff very fascinating mm-hmm. in general and I really hope that other people do and I hope this yeah. definitely helps someone maybe at least identify mm-hmm. if that's something you're dealing with so then you don't feel like you are the problem and you're inadequate it's mm-hmm. like that person whatever they dealt with in life that made them a narcissist they are the it's them and it's a constant yeah. cycle that will never in my opinion, will never stop because they won't get the help that right. they need for it. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool to get feedback, too. Like, if you've listened to, because this is part two, if you listen to part one, and or this one, and you're like, you want to share something, or hey, you guys should talk about this, because I feel like this topic has so many little trickle-off topics you mm-hmm. can do. Like, definitely email us about that. That would be cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, our email is misfitsofmotherhood at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, Misfits of Motherhood, and a Facebook page, Misfits of Motherhood Podcast. But yeah, we're going to finish this up for today and do a part three. So yeah, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.